Hi, welcome. Teaching others also. Please grab a Bible and at the very least turn to Matthew chapter 10 in your New Testament. And I'm going to refer a passage in Leviticus chapter 27. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus in the Old Testament. Third book of your Bible. Matthew chapter 10, <coughs> excuse me, Matthew chapter 10 and Leviticus chapter 27. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you our subject matter today is your value. Your value. Now it's not going to come out perhaps or probably at all in the manner in which, you know, the, the world at large tries to deal with this subject, but it is a very important Bible subject. Let's start in Matthew 10, and we'll read a couple of verses to give you a context as I try to do an introduction, and it's possible the introduction will be the longest part of this, because we need to build a foundation of what we're thinking about together, if I can get your mind. You know, one of the great challenges, one of the great things, important parts of preaching, of teaching, of helping people with words, is building a common ground. It's it's amazing to me that those who believe the Bible the purest are often those who defy the way God made things. God made it to where our words matter. God made it to where how we express things matter. And so if we ignore that, what happens is we're literally violating his laws. It'd be as if you tried to fly without the proper means. If you just went and jumped off a 20-story building, you'll fly, you'll fly down. And you'll demonstrate several laws uh, that God created when you hit the ground. And so it's important to understand that, that when it comes to words, what you think a word means, what I think a word means, us communicating, it is important. Merely believing that God gave us one book in English, for example, the King James Bible, like we believe, merely believing that does not guarantee communication on your part with others or on your part with God or on God's part with you. For example, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew 10, in the context the Lord is talking about some things that are going to happen. Uh, he says in verse 21, The brother shall deliver up the brother to death. The father of the child, the children shall rise up against their parents, cause them to be put to death. He said, Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth the end shall be saved, etc., etc. And I know a bunch of y'all think that means somebody's got to earn their salvation. We, we, we don't even have time to go into that. Verse 24, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. So he goes down through there. He says, verse 26, fear them not therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. Verse 28, fear not them which kill the body. Okay? So the context, context is fear. Fear has all kind of different manifestations and sources. Fear isn't just cowering in the corner. What we're going to talk about is often a source of fear in our hearts. That is, that we don't have any value. 
And you're supposed to know that you have value. Now, where you get that value is what we're going to talk about. How you express that value, experience it, we're going to talk about it for a few minutes. So in that context, here's what he says. Verse 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. So somehow, our amazing, infinite God knows, get this now, He knows if a bird dies. Now you can't comprehend that. I mean, you think about that. How big, and maybe you've not been very many places, but if you have traveled much, by in the, in the, pathway of duty have been literally around the world and been in over 15 countries been in cities been in suburbs been on ranches been on properties down under every kind of place you can imagine imagine every one of those birds god knows if a bird falls he says one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father so verse 30 but the very hairs of your head are all numbered that means God knows what's going on with you personally. Verse 31. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Now, by the way, that's a big statement with God because He accepted those birds and different things. He accepted them as offerings. And so that would mean that you're of more value than that. Now, the key is going to be we're going to look at how that works. Because what people might do is people might tell you your value is from what you do or accomplish. And we're going to find out how that works. And so we're going to look at this right now. And so Matthew chapter 10, he says, verse 31, Fear ye not, ye are of more value than many sparrows. We're going to read the rest of that passage down to verse 39 in a few minutes. In Leviticus 27, the overall picture I want to give you is he's talking about making vows in verse five, in verse 2 of chapter 27. And then he begins to talk about making an estimation. In other words, when you make a vow, how do you redeem that vow? Verse 3, thy estimation shall be of the male from 20 years old even unto 60 years old. Even thy estimation shall be 50 shekels of silver after the sanctuary. If it be a female, then thy estimation shall be 30 shekels. Now, he is not telling you that that female is, is worth less. It's not about worth. It's about ability. And in that context, it's about what they're able to earn or reproduce. Now, wait. There's a truth in this, and we're going to talk about it. Because your ability to produce Money is not your value. It's just your earning value. For example, verse 7, It shall be from 60 years old and above, if it be a male, then thy estimation shall be 15 shekels, and for the female, 10 shekels. And then he says, But if he be poor, then thy estimation, then he shall present himself before the priest, and the priest shall value him according to his ability 
that vowed shall the priest value him, his ability. Matthew 10 is real important. Because when you begin to think about these things, okay, and you begin to think about him valuing, Later in that passage in verse 16, he even gives them an example. He said, And Homer of barley seed shall be valued at 50 shekels of silver. Putting a value on it. Now value has different synonyms. That is words that are similar and that people use to express themselves. Sometimes a value of something is the amount or the cost or the expense or the price. Sometimes it's the profit. Sometimes it's the rate at which something is charged. Sometimes when you value something, it's an appraisal or an assessment. When they talk about your valuables, the word valuable, one of some of its synonyms are things like the word antique. An antique can be something like an heirloom, but it can also be something that's considered, say, an artifact or a relic. Something from bygone days or a monument or something that's rarity. Okay? So, when you begin to think about this, what is your value? Now, the modern twist of the gospel is that you were, were so valuable that God died for you. And there is a problem with that. Because if you'll read your Bible, you'll find out that mankind as a whole, men and women, all included, are not valuable to God in the way they treat God. They're not valuable to God in that they can add anything at all, not even a, as much as the grain of one sand upon the seashore of the world. So how does it work? Where, where, what, how does this value work? You remember what he said? We're in Matthew 10. In Matthew 16, he said, What shall a man, and that is not gender specific, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? See, when he said, What is it profited? If he shall gain the whole world, lose his own soul, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The value of your soul. So value is a very perception-based thing. It's a sense. Now, you can put, S-E-N-S-E, -E, you can put a value on things. Okay? For example, while the price of gold is set, you say, well, the price of gold is such and such an ounce. That's true. But it also moves, doesn't it? And it moves according to perception. Supply and demand and this and this and this. All kind of stuff. We could go into that. Same thing with things like the stock market. Same things to do with vehicles, food, uh, bread, milk gasoline those things are like supply and demand uh, you think about it honestly uh, right now here we are uh, almost the end of March 2022 and what are we doing we're sitting here on on uh, March the 24th and we're looking at prices go up down sideways all that kind of stuff and yet for the most part you still got to go to work or you're still going to make your little trips or whatever you're going to do. And because of that, if you're listening to me, because of that, the value has a, is, is perception-based. Price 
of something may or may not reflect its value. And yet it does. I, let me give you an example. Even if you haven't traveled, you know you've heard of this. But the, the price of a cup of coffee at the airport does not necessarily reflect its value until somebody really, really wants one or in the day we live in, you really need one. I got, got to have my coffee, you know what I mean? The price of a hot dog at the airport, uh, at a sporting event, whatever. The price of it doesn't always reflect the value of it, and yet it does. People pay for it. You say, well, they're going to write it off for the company. I see people all the time that are not on an expense account. I see people all the time in airports and in different places who are going to pay that higher price for something because they want it. Maybe sometimes it's because, you know, they didn't stop somewhere on the way to the airport or whatever. And nowadays they got all these different rules and stuff. And so because of that, what's happening is <laughs> they're hungry. Now, you remember a classic story about price and value and food is Jacob and Esau. Esau paid way more for that bowl of beans than he should have. That was one expensive bowl of chili or beans, bean soup, okay? Now, my dad used to say, and he didn't make this phrase up, but I've heard him say to people, someone say, that horse is worth $20,000. He'd say, has anybody ever offered you that for it? Because many times the value or the worth is what you can get for it. What would you give in exchange for your soul? All you're going to get if you trade your soul off is eternity in hell. Now, our value matters to us as humans. Your sense of value is the word I'm going to use. Not necessarily feeling, your sense, your perception. Our sense of value affects us. I'm going to give you an illustration that, that always drives us home for me, and, it, and it's probably partly because I've observed it lately. Let's take when someone has worked hard most of their life, and many times they worked harder towards the end of their work life, and then they retire. Uh, when you looked over there in Leviticus chapter 27, when the male got above 60 years old, is when his ability changed. So it looks like, because of the three score and ten, which is 70 years, that the basic estimation, which is what he's talking about, if it be from 60 years old and above, if it be a male, then the estimate shall be 15 shekels. And it says it's according the poor to their ability. So the picture is your sense of value changes. He said, fear not, therefore ye are of more value than many spares. So our value is something that affects how we think. So much so that one extreme of the unvalued experience is, I don't care. And it gets manifested by maybe somebody just covering their body in ink or uh, piercings or rebellion. Uh, it can be alcohol or substance abuse. It can be sexual abuse of their own body. And when it comes to work, for example, a person who's not working, doesn't have a schedule every day now, the, the, uh, they get into extreme activities, they get into indulgence, 
They get into the daredevil stuff. They're trying to find their worth. Now, they may not be able to express it that way. And this is not a merely a behavioral psychology truth. This is a Bible truth. And we're going to ask two questions of you. Question one, where do you derive your sense of value from? Where do you get it? Now, let me say this to you. <clears throat> Maybe somebody with the sound of my voice, you are at the stage in life, you're retired. And, and I understand, we, and I'll say this in a minute too. We don't retire from living for God. We don't retire from our duties, but you're retired. Maybe, maybe there's other things, and we'll talk about it here in a minute. It might be when routines change. It might be when retirement comes. It might be when rest is crucial. It might be when your roles are complete, and now it's time for a new set of roles, R-O-L-E-S. They talk today in America about empty nesters. They talk, you know, sometimes, uh, now for me, you know, my, my mother went home to be with the Lord when I, when I was young. I mean, I was 32 years old when she went home. And my daddy's home, and everybody's home, you know, as far as people older than you are, are equal with you. Two brothers. When those roles are complete, then something has to change, and sometimes our value. Uh, I know a young man who uh, dedicated two whole years of his life to his dad. The, the kid was only in his early 20s. His dad fell ill, and uh, over about a two-year period, he passed away from his cancer, his illness. And when that time period was over, suddenly he was kind of without an anchor, without a purpose, without a value, because he had put his energy and everything he had into that. And it was okay for him to struggle, by the way, and have to find out what's going on. When recreation is the culture. You ever been around communities that were retirement communities? And uh, it might be, if it's you know down south there, it might be golf. Golfing communities are a big deal. They market them. Market them on the east coast, the west coast, all over the place. Uh, sometimes it's whatever the activity. They have, they have uh, airplane communities where people... You know, the runway is your backyard for your little community. They have uh, all kind of stuff. They have this new thing I was reading the other day called pickleball. It might not be new, but it was new to me that it exists. And I mean, we're talking about strategies and contests. You'll see, uh, you'll see all kinds of stuff. You'll see, you know, softball games for seniors. You'll see uh, all kind of leagues and all this stuff. When recreation is a culture, where do you derive your sense of value from? When reward is concealed, that is, you don't get to see any immediate reward. So let's back up. Where do you derive your sense of value from? Let me give you a few little words here. Cults. Cults, uh, religions, they have powers from this. They give a sense of value. By the way, be careful because churches, I mean Christian churches, can fall into this trap. Churches often have sometimes unknowingly, unwittingly, set a trap for people by giving their value based upon what they do at and for the church. That is not fair, and that is not right. Okay? Don't do that. And if you're caught in that, that doesn't mean go away from church. That doesn't mean denounce it. It means make the adjustment. What about com not just cults, but commerce? Commerce, you know, they used to say, he who dies with the most toys wins. Well, I think we've most, most of us, but 
Not necessarily. Sometimes it's who has the most rooms or the most land or clothes or gadgets or, quote, friends or subscribers, but commerce. You know, the Gentiles as a whole are never content. That's why there's so many verses in the New Testament about being content. That's why there's so much teaching and preaching and needs to be about being content. Not lazy, not apathetic, apathetic, but content. What about community? Things like clubs. I th thought about this the other day. I don't know where I was at, but we happened to, I happened to drive by a golf course and saw people out there, and I thought, you know, I know a fair bit about golf. Been around it a lot. Uh, and Aussie just won a big old bunch of money last week or week before. And uh, it won like three million bucks, American. And uh, foursomes. You know, your community might be your little foursome, you and three others. Uh, might be amateur teams. Community often gives people a sense of value, you know, from praise and trophies and awards and plaques. And it can mean a lot to people. And I'm not saying it it has to mean nothing to you, but if you're not careful, when that goes away, or that changes, or it'll let you down because that's not where God intended us to get our sense of value from. Let's take our children. We're not supposed to get our sense of value from our children. Some people's lives change completely if a child goes off the rails, for example. Or some people's lives change when the child goes gets off on, on their own. Look, you... Your children were meant to be launched for God, to be sown for God, and Him to have control, not for you to keep control over them. One of the most oppressive things is this matriarchal dominance, the mother dominance over children. Years and years, I mean people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, that is not God. It is not God. It's one thing, it says, obey your parents when you're young, honor them when you're old, honor them, not obey them. And parents, you're supposed to give those children to God. Your sense of value can't be in them. And yet, think how many people, you know, you have all this rage going on in, in children's sports because parents are so bought into it. Uh, where do you get your sense of value from? Clicks on a page, uh, accumulated stuff, rewards, money. The plan of God is Christ is to be your sense of value. Jesus Christ. There is so much in the verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. He says in Philippians, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's the point of all this. You are going to face times when your routines change, when retirement comes, when rest is crucial, when roles are completed, uh, when recreation might be the culture around you, when your reward right now is concealed. You can't see it. And we could go on and on, but the point is, where do you derive your sense of value from? It, Christ is God's plan. Now listen, God loves because He is love, First John says. God is love. 
not because he looked down. You know, some of the songs go, I don't know what he saw in me. I do know what he saw in me. A lost, hellbound sinner. And yet he loved me. When we were without due strength, and do, when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He did not see something worth dying for as such. But God is love, and He so loved the world that He gave. My security and your security of our value is in God. When rest is crucial, one of those little phrases I've given you today, when rest is crucial, when you have to rest physically, or rest from work, or even rest from ministry. <clears throat> the great old preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he had to deal with the fact that physically there were times he was unable to preach. In fact, they sent him across uh, to the coast of France and stuff to recuperate. And when they sent him across there, what he had to do was he had to get used to the idea that rest <laughs> didn't change his value. Now, through it all came his work, much of his works on the, on the treasury of David, and that is the Psalms. But he didn't know that at the time. So the second question is, what and why is your value? Well, your value is more than creatures. We read that in Matthew 10, 31, and you don't want to worship the creature more than creator. I understand about animals. Grew up with them. I understand about caring about them. I understand about getting attached to them. But I tell you what, when I got saved, one of the things that shocked me was how Christians had allowed the world's ethic to replace God's ethic. May I give you an example? Many of you love your pet more than you love your neighbor. And that means, wait, you say, well, they're a lot easier to love. Well, of course they are. Do you understand how hard you are to love sometimes? Have you ever thought of that? You're hard to love, man. I'm hard to love when I'm not walking in Christ or when someone is just, we're just totally different. What and why is your value? Well, it's more than any creature. And then secondly, it's manifest in God sending His Son. You see... It is so easy with all the noise today and all the marketing today and all the psychology that's out there because they, the world knows its business better than Christians do. The world is wiser in their generation. But it shouldn't be that way. What and why is your value? It's measured by what God gave for you, His Son. I saw a little illustration. I don't know how true it was. I read it, actually. Where a fellow left a few things to his grandson, and there wasn't many. And it was just like, you know, some belongings or whatever. And uh, there was like a little plaque in there and a note. And there was some, his old Bible was in there. And the the grandson or nephew, whatever it was, when when he looked in the box, he was so frustrated, he just walked away from it and his friend said well, don't you want this stuff he said you can have it if you want it and he picked up the bible and he started flipping through it and it had thousands upon thousands of dollars in it and by way of hundred dollar bills and over maybe over a period of time you know i don't know 
that old man had put money in between two or three pages, two or three, and it was thousands, ten or twenty or thirty thousand dollars. Was it the old Bible that was so valuable? Well, it became valuable, and thank God he had a good friend. The friend, he said, you can just have that Bible. And the friend said, I don't think you really want me. Oh, yeah. He said, you don't want me to, as he flipped through it. That's a good friend, someone you can trust to not keep your money, your gift. But my point is, the value of the Bible was by what was in it. Are you getting this? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, you do what you want with this. This is not, you know, Joel Osteen and all that kind of foolishness. This is not the power of positive thinking, you know, how to win friends, influence people. This is Bible. But I know this. Coming up on 67 years of life on earth, I know this. I'm not all that different than you. I might be a little crazier and all that. I'll get that. But I know that I have to stay in touch with this book and the Holy Ghost and the truths of it to, to know that I have value so that I don't feel in despair. Some of y'all, I get it. Now listen. Uh, ready? Matthew 10, verse 32. Now, now, hang on. So it's more than creatures. It's manifest in God sent His Son. It's measured by what God gave for you. And it's magnified when you and I do this. Matthew 10, 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. He's going to deny you to reign and some rewards, Romans 8 etc. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Not in a social sense. In a belief consecration sense. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. <laughs> if that was true of you before you all got saved, then that kind of conflict wasn't of God. That was just plain old social dysfunctionality. But watch. <coughs> Excuse me. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. You should cross-reference this with where he said, If any man come to me and hate not. So hate is a measurable thing. If I love one thing more than the other, then it's love and hate. Not viciousness, not animosity. Now watch. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Verse 38, that means you, you would love yourself more than him because to take up your cross is to die to yourself. Okay? Verse 39, He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. You and I cannot search for value, our value, in other things. We have to do it in God. You say, well, how can that be then? I mean, my days feel useless. Okay, go to Colossians with me while I tie this together. It's magnified when we live it out. Okay? It's magnified. 
It's magnified when we take and we stay in our Bible every day and we look at our rolls, R-O-L-E-S, okay? Not dinner rolls. It's magnified when we live them out regardless of routines changing. Regardless of retirement comes. Regardless of when rest is crucial. I understand that. In my lifetime, some sicknesses, uh, some injuries. I understand it right now, for example, about rest being crucial. And you have to get your heart and mind in that book, and you have to say, okay, I'm not going to take a break from God. I'm not going to take a break from my thought life. I'm not going to take a break and just veg out, even though rest is crucial. When your roles are complete and it's time to redefine what you're to do each day, that's when you need to have this truth the most. When recreation is the culture around you, listen, I, 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 I really enjoy the idea of fishing. I do. Nothing wrong with fishing. Some people really love hunting and stuff. But when it's the culture, the problem is your sense of value is going to be, and, and not only by how much you catch or what you kill, but getting to do it, to do it, to do it. That's not where your sense of value and peace needs to come from. Some of that has to be crucified. And then when your reward is concealed, uh, many of us are living in a time when we don't, we, hopefully we have a reward on the other side because there's none here right now. So in Colossians 3, this passage of Scripture helps me every single day. And it's, 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 it's all kind of stuff, but he says, uh, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Okay? In verse 17, whatsoever you do in word or deed. Now watch, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. He talks about wives in verse 18. Husbands, verse 19. Children, verse 20. Fathers, verse 21. Servants, and that includes employees, etc., verse 22. And then he makes this amazing statement, starting in verse 23. I hope you'll listen and take with you. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Do you understand how powerful that thing is in Colossians 3? In other words, when there's nobody to assign you anything, when there's nobody to give you value, when there's nobody to let you know, hey, you know, you're doing okay, when there's not, when, when your routines have changed, you've got to take charge of your routines. You've got to set a schedule for yourself. You've got to set goals for yourself, responsibilities for yourself. When retirement comes, you adjust to the fact that, okay, uh, I don't have somebody else tell me I got to be there, you know, at 7 o'clock in the morning or this or that or 10 hour or 12 hour days, but I'm not going to just lose my value. When rest is crucial, and sometimes it is. Now listen, sometimes rest is crucial, but you don't want to get used to it. You don't want to get to where you lose your edge because you've lost at, at our age, most of us need to make sure that we stay physically active daily. There are times when something will happen where you're going to have to rest and heal up, 
but keep the rest of you active. When your roles are completed, mother, daddy, grandmother, granddaddy, when, when your parents are gone and now you're a son or daughter of someone going on, you, you know where you're supposed to live then and today. Good, preserve the good memories, let go of the old memories, live today. And, and when I say that, when your roles are completed, look at the roles you have now and fulfill them. Where's your value? It's in Christ and it's in that whatsoever you do, do hardly as to the Lord and not unto men. I, I trust this will be some help to you. Maybe you know somebody that's going through something. Maybe their roles have changed. Uh, maybe you're going through somebody where their routines have changed. Maybe, uh, and, and I was just saying this to somebody yesterday. I've met fellows who were in the service. I knew quite a few fellows that had gone in the Navy, for example, and, and they had done been on floats that is you know been deployed and on ships and they might go four or six years some of them did eight but that four to six year range when they got out went in at 18 or 19 and got out life was hard for them at first you know why because for six years for the most part other than some time off somebody told them when they were going to work that day what the uniform of the day was what time chow was you know all kind of stuff and they had to get adjusted and they had to get adjusted even to the idea of, you know, getting up and going to work and that kind of stuff. It's important for us to understand where our value is. God made us to want to and to even fear if we're not valued. But he also made us to get our value from him. And not just how much you can do. It says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily. Whatever it is, set a schedule, a basic schedule. When, when things change like that, remember, my value's in Christ, so I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to go to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to get those things. Where do you derive your sense of value from? And what and why is your value? May the Lord help you and bless you. I hope it will be a blessing to somebody. God, I pray thee, Lord God, you'd touch and help people. I pray you'd help them to maintain this, Lord, on a daily basis. And I know the feeling, and I'm thankful that you've put this into me through others and through the book, and I pray you'll communicate it to others, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God be with you.